1: today's edition of the See You Next Tuesday podcast, you're going to hear a lot about thoughts, how thoughts change everything, what labels do you attach to thoughts, and thoughts are all that's necessary for success in business. Along with that, we'll also be discussing how the wheel was invented. So dive right in and enjoy the ride. Well, you made it.
0: Mr. Fleming, how's it going?
1: <laughs> yes, Fleming wasn't he um, Alexander Fle- Alexander Fleming? He was he created I don't know, I can't remember what he did. Not not penicillin. I can't remember. He was quite famous.
0: I thought your first name was Trevor.
1: Yeah, but I'm but well, my second name isn't Fleming, so I'm you know I'm willing to take on some different mantle um, if that <laughs> if that helps.
0: Eh, eh, it's close enough. It's easier to it's easier to spell.
1: Apparently, it is, even though it's more letters. Yeah. Yeah. Yes. Apparently, it is. Good stuff. Even I could spell Fleming. So, uh, what's been on your mind, Mister H? Uh,
0: well, at the moment, why your volume is lower than normal? Could be my headset. Could but be your
1: headset. Yeah. Because I a turkey
0: issue.
1: I have to turn the volume down when you jump on because. Otherwise, I would have no hearing by the end of the call.
0: Oh, am I that abrasive and loud? Oh, well, I
1: wouldn't use the Br- word abrasive oh. myself. Um, <laughs> it's more sort of aggressive. No, it, I don't know. No, it always comes to very loud. I don't
0: know why. Um, okay, I'm going to switch headsets. Give me f- three point nine seconds and okay. tell me if it's anybody. Cool. If you're anybody. All right, go.
1: 3.8,
0: 3.7,
1: 3.6,
0: 3.5. And I'm back.
1: Hey, look at that. You did. I'm back. You did in less than three, three 3.5 milliseconds.
0: Oh, uh, yeah. I'm a lot louder. Okay, so it was my headset. Yeah, you sound great now. Oh, no, I, I mean, it's oh, great. No, I, now.
1: I know that. I knew, I knew that to begin with. Um, <laughs> yeah. So... Um, well, what, I don't know what's, uh, what's going on. You've been telling me about keyword research and um, niche hunting and um, uh, what have I been doing? Um, working on sales scripts, I suppose. Um, what shall we, which way shall we go? Because we were expecting a guest, but he's had to postpone because he's in I don't know, the Himalayas or something.
0: Um, well I say we start there. So Okay. Um yeah let's tease out with tease out the two guests we got coming. So we had one that's supposed to be today, but not in the Himalayas, in the Sierras. Um same thing. high, high up in the mountains. Yeah. <laughs> Pretty close. <laughs> when the you California live here, it's the same Sierras, thing. Players, right? <laughs> same thing. It's like the Yosemites. <laughs>
1: yeah, the Yosemites, yeah. <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah, so we've got some interesting people lined up, or as the as the show is starting to pick up steam, and we're getting more more requests and for guests that want to be on our show to speak to our wide, vast, and expanding audience. Um, so, yeah, we've got one guy who's been living the dream off the grid, um, hiking trails, and living. Very comfortably on the minimalist style, um, worry-free and just radiant energy, a beacon of, I mean, just infectiously high energy guy for someone who has, you know, what we would consider in the material world, very little, but living at a very enlightened level, I do believe. Um, So he's coming on to share how he's been able to to do that. And then you've got another guy for next. So next week, yeah, um, who I I only met
1: um, on on, uh, the Internet a few days ago, but uh, we had a great conversation and he was just a breath of fresh air, really. And he um, from a marketing perspective, because um, his (laughs) because you and I both know that when when two marketers get on a call, both of them expect the other one to pitch them something uh, and to be Mm -hmm. completely fair. I I I did go prepared to pitch him, uh, and I did go prepared to be pitched. Um, and his mm-hmm. opening salvo was, look, I, I'm not going to pitch you anything, um, and if you want to pitch me something, that's absolutely fine. I'm open to that. Um, it was like, okay. And I kind of um, – he did it in a really nice way. There was no um, – no, There was no threat with it. It wasn't like, don't you dare pitch me. It wasn't like that. It was like, I just want to have a conversation with you. You know, you attracted my attention on Facebook. We found each other. Um, thought some of what you were posting was interesting. Um, just wanted to have a chat with you with with no mm. other agenda. And there really wasn't. Um, I was waiting for the hidden agenda and it never came. Uh, and we probably spoke mm. for the best part of an hour. Um, and at some right. point in that conversation, I said to him... So you know, how do you do your marketing and stuff? And he went like this: I just talk to people. I don't pitch anything. I don't. Um, and he's got. Um, oh well, he'll he'll tell us hopefully. But as I remember, he's got um, a system for coaches, and he's got two or three thousand signed up. So um, something is working.
0: <laughs> Great.
1: So I, you know, it's there's it's a very refreshing brain to pick is how I felt about it. Um, mm-hmm. So, yeah. Um, and he lives on an island oh, in the middle of the Baltic Sea. My... Sorry?
0: Another remote guy? I said, oh, as opposed to my completely dead and boring brain to pick that you're getting tired of. That's all right. <laughs> <laughs> so well, you can I picked up it. what you said there.
1: <laughs> you can take it that way <laughs> if you like. Um, yeah, well, no, I, I, I kind I... of... I kind of felt it would, it would be relief from you picking mine, you know.
0: Um, <laughs> uh, oh no, which yours I just seems more pouring out good stuff. you have got me, got me on a new brink of some sort of level of, uh, what do you call it? Um, enlightenment with my own site, which we're not going to discuss here on the call, but some good stuff happening in the, in the off hours when we when we chat again all the reason we started this to begin with because of that gold that happens in the off hours. But um yeah. Well again it, just want to well oh, oh,
1: say it, go for it. Well I was gonna say is it off limits on this podcast to discuss the shifting perspective of woo woo-ness
0: Uh no, not not that. I just didn't uh Want to release my whole my whole relaunch of what's going to be happening on my side I didn't want to discuss yeah. that yet that's gonna b- 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 bang when that comes out of the new thing but um but now the the woo woo perspective conversation has been very fascinating i that is probably a good place to start because there's Thanks. some internal dialogue and issues with it that um, that I refer to lovingly as as a light form of PTSD. Um, but, like I said, using that phrase that people identify with it, you know, not trying to compare what we go through to military vets and experiences they go through. That's what's commonly what people think of when they think of PTSD. But it's really, um, it really can be anything. I think all of us who who our habits are shaped as we grow and we have these responses to certain stimulus that are almost automatic are all different forms of it. If there's, let's just say when you were a kid, um, when they did the whole thing, when they were teaching you how to swim, they just at four years old, they just picked you up and threw you in the water. And you remember that moment and struggling and trying to swim and then you realize to this day you get near water and you just you shake and you've never been a swimmer and never enjoyed it. Even though you know how to swim and you've been into it, but you see water and there's a reaction and you may not even consciously remember it or know why, that is that's still a form of PTSD. So, um, Or, you know, relationship. PTSD is a big one. People who may have been hurt in the past by a certain person, they might find themselves... You know, like we're about to get all woo-woo, but they might find themselves subconsciously sabotaging new relationships that are going great just because they may have did something, not even that they've even noticed, but did something similar that reminded them of the ex who hurt them. And they, again, even though they may not even consciously remember it or know it, there's something inside you that triggers the thought and you respond to, oh, this person is going to hurt me. Um, and you start to mess it up. That um, is still a form of PTSD. You're just responding to a past, well, a past thought of uh, of a past event that has happened to you. Um, which first I was always defending that let's not talk about the woo-woo, um, which is what we're about to discuss. But then I was kind of also telling you in our side conversation that we're thinking. You can't just come out and dismiss PTSD either. (laughs) I remember our conversation, but people who identify with certain things—if you come out and say, "Ah, that's not real. It's all in your head," or you can't—you can fix that in a second. Oh man, people, people sometimes don't don't like that.
1: They don't, and that's a very interesting. See, you're 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 straying well into my territory, so I'm going to prowl around here quite a bit because. (laughs) <laughs> you know. i trained as a psychotherapist right so um great
0: right.
1: so they don't you're right people get very angry about that and um it's like but i do have ptsd or i do have ocd or depression or and they they really get to like like is maybe not the right word but they get very attached
0: it, it's to an it's an identity
1: yeah it becomes an identity yeah, yeah to the labels right mm-hmm. so, because um okay so uh i do i do want to dismiss it i do because um right (laughs) so i was listening to you like "Mm, okay I'm, i'm gonna have to say something about this in a minute so you know you're saying um uh like uh, something, you know, something that happened to you—you you know, got thrown in the in the water, and now water. You have a reaction to water. It's subconscious, and it's a form of PTSD. And something that happened to you in relationships, and now you sabotage relationships. A form of PTSD. Well, if you label it PTSD, then it'll become a form of PTSD, right? Now, so the, right. the question becomes whether or not it is useful to use a label like that, because a label. Uh, in terms of a diagnosis, which is what that is, mm-hmm. only useful if the state-of-the-art so-called treatment, which is always changing, especially in the world of psychiatry, it's always a movable feast, but if uh, if it's only useful if the if the prevailing treatment is going to fix it. Right. So otherwise, telling someone that something that happened to them in their childhood or during their relationship, or maybe if they were in the military, maybe in a war zone or whatever, has now left them with PTSD. Uh, I remember Mm -hmm. uh, a psychiatrist that I I worked with very early in my career uh, once said in a staff training, there's no point in us being smart asses and and showing people that they have skeletons in, well, he said cupboards because he's British, but you would say closets, right? So n- that they have skeletons in their closets, unless we're going to show them how to close the closet again. And he's like, mm. right? right? <laughs> so he's just open it like, hey, oh, yeah, that's huh? what's wrong with you. Bye. Well, that's helped. <laughs> hey, well, you've got PTSD. <laughs> Thanks a lot, pal. Um, now what am I going to right? So, well, so, what I want to say is, you haven't got anything with a label. What you've got, right? So, here's the, here's the, I'm going okay. to, white, I'm going to, okay. at, can yeah.
0: I cut, can I cut you off for a second, please? Can I interrupt? Go on then. <laughs> so, remember what you're about to say right now. <laughs>
1: i just, just getting to the crucial point, but go on then.
0: Oh yeah, it's it's going to be crucial. That is that is something people are going to want to hear. But I want <laughs> I to better say, remember that.
1: Yeah.
0: <laughs> oh, it's going to be good, people. When he's coming, oh, it's, it's going to be <laughs> good. Right, go on. Um, so I just wanted to say we talked. I made two points there that to discuss. So before you start curing depression and PTSD, um, and uh, what was the other one? Curing depression, PTSD, and these and anxiety and these issues right here on this call that you're about to cure for everyone. I think <laughs> I didn't say it that. would. <laughs> I think it would <laughs> hey, You, I thought we agreed on good cop, bad cop, or something I we were right going right. to do on this episode. Um. <laughs> So <laughs> I was going to say before you dive into curing um, people's lifelong disease labels um, and telling them it 's it's all, all their fault and they don't really have it, um, I think it's, I think it will behoove you to preface it with the part about our discovery and agreement on "woo, woo" first to just kind of let them know what's coming. <laughs> I think we should discuss that part of it first and then go into that. So, our, our agreement, our newfound understanding of what we've been lovingly referring to as woo woo, where it stood before our discussion and where it stands now, of our take on discussing it on this podcast first. And then, so, they, so then they understand what about the nonsense psychobabble you're about to spit out. Uh- <clears throat>
1: <laughs> okay. so it's been, I'm so, you're setting me up to justify what I was going to say which would have been perfectly yeah. out all that context in itself um well, I, well, I, don't, I, I don't know I don't think I have uh, articulated what my take is on the so-called woo-woo other than that I'm prepared to Acknowledge that it's. It, I. I don't think most of it is woo-woo anymore. I mean, there. There are limits, you know. I don't. I don't, mm-hmm. I don't think that uh, I'm going to be beamed up by any aliens anytime soon or anything like that. That's. That's beyond
0: my. My remit. But. Um, well. Well, no, I was talking about just letting them know our discussion. And how okay? So I'll go back. So how this started was. You know, it seems like almost every episode so far. And what is what did you say? This is like episode thirteen by now. I they're yeah. labeling these. Yeah, I'm making some Progress here. Yeah, yeah. <clears throat> um, so almost every episode so far, it seems at one point or another, one of us says something that we go, "Ah, maybe we're about to get a little bit woo woo." It seems almost every episode, and then so we kind of. Well, I a brought up. I it. think. Yeah. The fact that. Why is that that I that I have to keep saying the disclaimer every time I mention something that may be considered a little bit eth- ethereal <laughs> or whatever you or want esoteric. to universe esoteric and universal speak and all of that blah 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 stuff and I was saying eh, it's a I was saying ah it's kind of a form of PTSD I used to, when I brought it up in the past. Um, it had a bad reaction from someone going, eh, that, you're talking about that crazy stuff. And it was in this we figured out it was in the same category. People who aren't interested in say law of attraction, just for, for instance, when we say we're talking about the woo woo stuff, even though, um, Trevor has now moved on and reject law of attraction theory in a, in a sense. Um, now I'm just using that as an example of what we talk about when we say the woo-woo stuff. The kind of the oh, what happens in the unseen in the universe. Um, and so we were just kind of talking about like, why do we have to defend it? Why are we why do we, every time we have to put a disclaimer about the woo-woo? And I said, you know, it's probably it's me. It's I'm reacting to something that has happened in the past. People who don't like it. So now I kinda of go, oh so, like I'm almost apologetic. Sorry, this may sound a little Woo woo to you. Um, and then that's when our whole conversation about, well, PTSD doesn't really exist. That's your thwart. So I don't want to butcher it, explaining it the way you did. But either way, by the end of our conversation, we kind of made the agreement that woo woo is a big part of our personality, our beliefs, our, our reasons, you know, a lot of to do with in our beliefs, why we've achieved a level of success that we have each respectively. And we always feel, you know, sorry, I am keep saying we speaking for both of us. Let me know if I'm speaking wrong, but oh, no. we always feel <laughs> we'd be remiss. It would, it would be um, lack of diligence on our part to not mention the inner stuff that happens and the woo-woo in order behind success, other than just going with tactics and tactics. Because that is a strong belief we both have, that what happens on the inside is more important than the skills and tactics you learn on the outside. So it's like, why are we defending it? Um, If that's what we like and that's what we believe in, we should go forward with it. And the people who love it um, will stay with us. And the people who don't, who will just leave and we will bring new people who have the same similar beliefs as us. You, You described it more eloquently by sharing the Michael Neal story, which You may or may think be useful to share, but that's what I was saying to preface that. Going forward, we've made the decision that yeah, we are. We're going to stop apologizing for it. So we're we're, we're (laughs) coming out. Yes, basically. Um, Yeah. So that 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 was what I was talking about. Our conversation that led to no longer being apologetic about what we believe in. Yeah. Because the PTSD I had for defending it doesn't really exist. <laughs>
1: <laughs> well, it's not PTSD either. But um, I yeah exactly. We're um, yeah no, we've had we've had some some uh, conversations about you know how 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 the, how does the universe know how to do stuff that has nothing to do with us basically, um, and mm-hmm. um, and it's not like we're actually coming up with answers so we can explain it. But I, for me, it's more about, I suppose that where I've got to um, and where I've settled is that I, I now know where to stop looking and that it's okay. That it's like, mm-hmm. I don't know how the hell that happens. I don't know how. I, I, you know, I, I have no idea, not, the faintest notion how to grow my fingernails i don't know how to do that they do it on their own but you know or how to make a daisy i can make a daisy chain and go in the garden and pick some make a daisy chain but you ask me to make a daisy no i could you know if i was a a a botanist i presume i could get some seeds from an existing daisy and grow some more daisies that wouldn't be difficult but to make one from scratch Mm -hmm. not a clue Right. and i don't mm-hmm. know how it all works i don't know how oh, i mean they're just i mean the the thing that i've referred to before is the you know one of the many things that blows my mind is the bees and the flowers thing that bees and flowers which appear to be completely separate random things count mm-hmm. be, because they are completely dependent on one another and i just saw some documentary on television some years ago, nature documentary where the narrator said quite nonchalantly, it was like history of plants at the time he was talking about, and he said so you know early plants didn't have flowers because there was there was no way that they could reproduce because they rely on pollen being moved around and there were no bees <laughs> because bees need pollen and so he just threw out this line bees and flowers uh, evolved simultaneously, and I'm like, my jaw mm. on the floor. It's like, how does it, how does it know? Whatever, it, <laughs> how does it know to do that? What the, there appears to be thought behind that? Um, and mm-hmm. we've been talking about, oh, you know, the body, our own body. I mean, I don't, I can't remember. I think somebody said there's something like 13 trillion cells in your body. So I don't know how they know that, um, but. <laughs> they seem to have seem to have brains of their own you know like when you cut your finger millions of things happen all at once cells uh, to start you know to, to ward off infection white blood cells rush to the scene um, cells that are going to clot your blood rush to the scene all kinds of things start happening inside your bloodstream to make sure that you don't get sick or I mean just a tiny nick on your finger will do that and I can't remember what all the science knows about all the millions of things that go. But it's like, how does it know? you mm. we're not doing that. Um, I, I don't. I mean, it just. And Michael Neal calls this the kindness of the design. Like it's all designed to work, and to work in your favour. Mm-hmm. So to go back to the PTSD thing, before I forget my crucial point, because we can come back to this.
0: Well, yes the goal the cure
1: yeah well it's not the cure but it's it's the <laughs> it's the seeing it for what it is and it may or may not okay. lead to uh, well if you see it I think it it probably will help because it will give you an insight and um, you and I've talked about um, Mary Schiller before she's a I'll, I'll tell that story in a second because she's a great example of this. But what Michael Neal mm-hmm. was saying was that um, <clears throat> somebody asked him about um, okay, it wasn't PTSD but it was some, some other trauma or something like that. Uh, helping people with mm-hmm. trauma, something like that. And he first of all his the first part of his answer was along the lines of well first of all yes he said that, uh, that's right, the questioner said if somebody's got uh deep emotional scars from some traumatic event What's that effect mm-hmm. so michael Neal's first challenge was well what makes you think that it's deep right and the guy was like oh well mm-hmm. you know well it's it, it because it's you know it lasts for years and he, well, well hang on a minute you know and then you called it trauma he said to him so first of all you're making an assumption that it's deep and second you're giving it a very heavy-duty label. It might have been PTSD or trauma, I can't remember what it was. But um, he said, you're giving it a very Mm -hmm. heavy-duty label. He said, so, he said, what, and I'm paraphrasing, but he said, what I see is that, he said, I'm not saying that at the time when whatever happened, happened, that didn't cause enormous effects, shock, horror, pain, whatever. He said, I'm not saying Mm -hmm. that. Cause those things, those reactions, at the time. But this is not the time anymore; it's in the past. So the only thing that can be re- ca- can be causing reactions now is what you think about it. It's your thought, mm-hmm. only thing. So you can by labeling it deep, or labeling it traumatic, or PTSD, or deep emotional scars, or whatever you're making it harder to relieve it. But mm-hmm. I mean, you've got PTSD. Well, actually, you've got thoughts about what happened. Now, what Mary Schiller did, and to me, she is the best example I, I at the moment, know of, of somebody who did this. Mary Schiller, <clears throat> whose story is publicly out there, so she won't mind me uh, rec- recounting it. Um, she wrote a book about it, and she's mm-hmm public figure now um Mary Schiller is currently in her late 50s um and when she was in her early 20s she married a guy who for I think was I think they were together seven years if I remember it might have been nine I can't remember but um he was from the day they literally first day of their honeymoon when he raped her um right through to the end of their marriage he was unbelievably mentally and physically and um, uh, without, without any let up, um, abusive to her in every way. Mm. Um, they did have a daughter uh, who was, I think about three, uh, when Mary managed to escape with the daughter. Um, that daughter's now in her thirties and lives somewhere here in the UK. Um, and <coughs> for the next 25 years or so, may have been longer, um, Mary sought therapeutic help for all the problems that she was suffering, which was night terrors, day terrors, paranoid thoughts, anxiety. I mean, she managed in that time to, I think, get two degrees, hold down a good job, uh, several good jobs, I think, in journalism, as amongst other things, um, remarried um, and is still with that husband and it's a good marriage um
0: mm.
1: and bring up her daughter um uh so she did manage to have a life but she when oh. she talks about it she says that there was no respite that there was um uh, there were, even in her sleep that she cannot remember a night when she didn't have terrible nightmares um and she she everything was you know walking down the street traveling on the subway because they lived in new york i think at the time or for some of that time um she thought that people were going to hurt her or there was there was no respite at all until Mm -hmm. uh oh and she said many of the therapists uh told her in one form or another that she was so broken by what had happened to her over such a long period of time that she would never fully recover that she could expect to never be free of those symptoms for the rest of her life i mean to me that's just Mm. the shortcoming of the therapist which I think Mary would probably see it that way mm-hmm. as well now, right? But it's like, therapist just doesn't know what else to do. But to condemn somebody, to so like, you're going to have nightmares. But it wasn't,
0: a, Sorry? But it wasn't just one, just so you could say how deep her trauma was considered. You said it was over 20 plus therapists she had over the time, something like that. She she lost
1: that. count at, at the 25th. It might have been the 22nd, but it was over 20 therapists and she lost count. But she when she we all I
0: mean, told her the same thing,
1: well, they all told her the same thing. But I, when she tells the story, she makes it sound as though more than one gave her the impression that she could never, ever completely recover. That's how bad right. or how deep or whatever the, the psychological damage that this guy had done to her allegedly was. And so then one day in 2012, I think. Not, not that long ago, it might have been more recent than that even, can't remember the dates. Mm-hmm. So you'll have to go on Mary's website and, and look up her story, you can buy the book, I think it's called, um, uh, I Am Just a Woman, and she wrote, uh, uh, she added to it when she, because when she originally wrote it, she was still in this state, and since then she's, she's added mm-hmm. extra chapters. Um, but... Um, she was uh was working in new york she was on her lunch break she's walking down uh, broadway i think she said eating a sandwich and listening to michael Neal's book the inside out revolution and i don't know which chapter she was listening to particularly but she got it and she just burst out laughing and she said she was laughing so hard she had to sit on a bench um Hmm. and what she got was it's just my thoughts. I can walk away from them. I don't have to, uh, they're going to come, they're going to keep coming, but I don't have to believe them. I don't have to take any notice of them. And, um, Mm -hmm. and to begin with, she didn't believe that even herself, uh, really, it's that simple. And so she spent the next six months experimenting with the idea. And so she would say like, she, she became, she observed Mary. She actually talked to herself like that. Oh, there's Mary doing that. So she said that so I would I would travel the subway to go to work and she said in some mornings I would be paranoid that you know some of the other passengers were, were going to hurt me and other mornings I wouldn't. So instead of allowing that to take over and having some kind of panic attack, she would kind of go, oh, there's Mary thinking that some of the passengers might want to hurt me. Right? And other mornings if that didn't happen she would go Mary's not thinking that this morning and then she said I would get to the Mm. office and there would be people at their desks with you know their coffee mugs and their pencils and pens whatever headphones on whatever and same people same office you know pretty much probably the same coffee mugs every day and some mornings I would walk in and people would say hi Mary and I would think they just being nice. And other mornings I would walk in and I'd say, Hi Mary, and I'd think they're saying that because they hate me. And and she would, she understood that she could watch herself do that and kind of go, Well, there's Mary now thinking that they hate me. And it's just me thinking that thought. She said that she remembered going to see a movie with her husband, and one of them loved the movie, and the other one thought it was dull as ditchwater or something. Same movie, mm-hmm. she said. Same Great. movie, right? It can't be the movie that's causing the experience, right? And she just played with it and played with it and played with it until it just it became so obvious to her that she's just creating the experience. And it wasn't. See, I think that the important distinction with the three principles thing, which is what Michael Neal is talking about and, and teaching. He didn't invent this stuff. He just happens to be a very good um, interpreter of it. But um,
0: mm-hmm.
1: I, think, I think the important distinction is you're not trying to change the thoughts or suppress the thoughts or get rid of the thoughts you're just understanding that you're not the thoughts and then you can just kind of go any more than, than the clouds are are not the absence of sunshine they're just clouds, the sun is still there they're going to go away in a minute well if you live in this country they'll mm. go couple of months but you know they're gonna go away <laughs> <The> sun, <laughs> you live in california so i realize you probably wouldn't understand the metaphor i just realized
0: yeah um, clouds what, yeah. what do those do yeah. they, you have so many they block your sun.
1: that sounds <laughs> <miserable>. yeah <laughs> the same sun. we share the same sun but um uh not for not for very long you you have most of it i think but um, it's that. It's that. It's and that's that's what I was going to say. And I, I don't know if that's woo woo or not. It's just understanding that no experience is any more real than any other, unless you choose to believe it. Which means that everything we we consider as real is what is is a reflection of what we choose to believe. And that's why right. I've moved away from the law of attraction. It's not. I haven't thrown the law of attraction out. It's not baby in bath water. It's the, the distinction I made or I realized when I came across the three principles relatively recently. I don't know, but three or four years ago now, I suppose, was that what the law of attraction says is we create our own reality with our thoughts. And I, mm-hmm. along, I think, with many, 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 probably millions of other people, took that to mean that, you know, that we are creating a daisy or an experience or a new lover or manifesting a new house or whatever. And it isn't that.
0: It's. And more importantly, the one thing I want to point out that the law of attraction and the secret and all of that also did was when something bad happened to you, it was your fault. Well, um, that, yes, that became. A well, lot of people that really- as the blame.
1: Yes, that became a really damaging extrapolation from the the teachings of the secret and so on. Uh, I don't think the secret, I don't remember if the secret actually said that, but but I, amongst many other people, started to think, well, it must be, mustn't it? I'm creating it all. Um, So, and in fact, in a recent interview, Michael Neal asked Mike Dooley to explain the manifestation of COVID, which is a video that might be worth watching i'm not going to go into what he said but anyway um but um the uh the distinction between th- the law of attraction understanding which may be a misunderstanding and it may, i'm even willing to say maybe just my misunderstanding but i don't think i'm alone in this that our, that what our thoughts create our reality is that we took that to mean our physical reality and that's not what it means Our thoughts, I now understand, from the three principles teachings, which is what Michael Neal is, for me, the best teacher of currently, um, but not the only one by any means. But um, Mm -hmm. the three principles understanding is that our thoughts create our experience of reality. And therefore, Mm -hmm. it, it still will work. It still is, well, if I think that I can't have, I don't know, a 10 bedroom mansion because i can't afford it and there's no way i could ever make the money and uh, and and i don't have the qualifications and all of that those are my thoughts and it's not that it will it will mean that the universe won't give me a mansion it's that i won't take the decisions and the actions and the so i don't know how to how to get myself a 10 bedroom mansion as it happens i don't particularly want one but if i did <laughs> but but what three principles says is well I don't know if that's really what, if that's what you want to do. And the Michael Neal story about the pedestrian crossing is my favorite on that. It's like, I don't know how, but I just show up But every, I just listen to inner wisdom because thoughts will come into your head. And you, there's a difference between the ones that we keep repeating that we just believe in. It's like, well, there's no way I can do that. And that's what I now call inside the box thinking. And when you shut those mm-hmm. up, just go quiet, shut them up. Just not mm-hmm. for, but just just stop listening to them, even for a few seconds, and thoughts can come in, and it's like, well, what if you, what if you spoke to James Holland? He knows about real estate. He'll tell you how to get a ten-bedroom mansion. Maybe you can, right? So it's like, oh, <laughs> I could have asked James. You know, it's and so I ask you, and you may say no, but I know a man who does, and who knows? It's just following those right it's just allowing that and that's the kindness of the design in terms of our inner guidance and it works in marketing Mm. and sales as well as everything else
0: right so before we switch it to i'm going to give you (laughs) no that's not going to happen we both know that (laughs) um I, i want you to I'm going to give one, you know, other example, but then I want to obviously attach it to marketing because since this is mostly about the inner game of marketing, mostly, and now about the woo-woo side of marketing is what we should just call it, um, <laughs> is is so you're right. So the secret never actually, I don't think, directly said when bad things happen, it's your fault. But yes, it was a widely known from you know studying it and all that for years and discussing with people. The, the inherent in it was whatever experience happens to you, it's because you thought about it so long that you manifested it. So people would say, you know, what about, you know, me getting cancer or oh, it's not good go that dark. Let's say like getting into a car accident. People would feel bad because they would say, well, my negative beliefs, I must've been doing something wrong that I made this myself get into a car accident. So it's my fault. So I did somewhere, I, my thoughts were on so much negative stuff that I caused the car accident to happen to match my negative energy, so to speak, is what the secret would say. So, or that understanding. So if you could, and I'm going to sneeze, I can't mute <coughs> fast enough. Sorry. <laughs> okay. I stifled stifled it to one, stifled it to just one. But um, yeah, so if you can give me, the three principles, Michael Neilish version of a law of attraction person saying, I, "I just got into a car accident. Did I cause that because of I must have been thinking negative beliefs for a month about losing my job or something? So my negative energy went out into the universe and brought me back a car wreck. Is that is that so? It's my fault. How how would Michael Neil or that thinking?
1: Well, now I wish fun? Michael Neil were, were actually here because I don't know what he would say."
0: Um, um, your interpretation sorry <laughs> on, on the on um, nihilism.
1: well I know I, I, don't, I don't think I can get inside the Michael Neal head in that way but I think that um, no there's nothing in three principles that, that is like that nothing in three principles that says that you are causing events to happen um, right. you, I mean it may, it may be possible psychologically to, to trace causality of something like a car accident back to Um, You know, you were distracted or you. um, uh, I I was actually involved in a minor accident once where a a woman hit the car that my wife and I, not this wife and I were in at the time. uh, And we were stationary and she just pulled out of a junction into the middle of the road and and just plowed into us. Uh, Fortunately, nobody was Mm -hmm. hurt, but the cars were pretty badly damaged. And she actually said, the woman said at the time, oh I'm sorry I really shouldn't be probably shouldn't have been driving today I just lost my husband and it's like well no madam you shouldn't have been driving now look what you've done oh, you know we weren't too happy at the time, but anyway um uh so you know but to say that one thing caused the other <clears throat> the three principles doesn't look at thought in that way what three principles says is that you're you're giving meaning to experience we can't not do it In fact, we love doing it, it's, there's no point. No, I don't even know if this makes sense. I was gonna say, there's no point to existing if we don't do it, but it's how we know we're existing. Right, so the the three principles, not one. Okay, so let me try and put this in context then. So there's three principles. the, The overarching principle is the principle of mind which is, if you like, the God principle. That's the, that's the one that designs everything. That's the one that designs daisies and knows how to grow the fingernails and spin planets and and everything else that goes on. And that, that's, that's, it's not our business. We don't know how that works. And that's what I meant when I said, I think I've learned to be at peace with stopping searching because I can't, I'm never going to mm-hmm. get, never going to understand those mysteries. I don't know what makes planets or fingernails or daisies or anything else. And that's okay now, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and so that's the overarching principle. one well, it's a principle of mind. And they're called principles because they are, as Michael Neal would say, before the therefore, right? So it's like this, mm-hmm. these are always going to be true, whatever. It, so after the therefore, some people might say, well, therefore, there must be a God because there is a creation. And, and three principles doesn't say that it just says there is a design right. we we can see that there is something which looks like intelligence that makes everything work in some kind of sequence or order that things you know that the things exist at all is beyond science to understand we know that things fall apart right. we can understand that but we don't know why they come together in the first place no one can explain that right mm-hmm. so, but they do so and that's at the at this level of where we are uh, in our primitive time we just don't have a clue why, why or how that happens. So that's the principle of mind. Then there's the principle of consciousness, which is, if you like, the fact that mind is aware. Okay? So there's an awareness of existence. And we, and possibly, possibly, we are the only species on Earth that can do this. We don't know for sure. We are aware that we're aware, and we can think about it. Right. So that's the principle of thought. So without mind, mm-hmm. we couldn't exist. Without consciousness, we couldn't know that. I mean, I suspect that, I don't know, amoeba or maybe fish or I don't know, maybe even cats and dogs. I mean, it's fair. My cat is, it's fairly obvious that my cat is very aware. But whether she's aware of us and she's aware when it's dinner time and all that kind of stuff, but I don't know if she's aware that she's a cat. And, mm-hmm. and, other animal, and other species don't seem to want to um, evolve, I don't mean evolve physically or physiologically, I mean evolve, um, um, what's the word for that, ideologically perhaps, in the way that we do, I we, we cannot, okay, so here's one of my My things. This is not a Michael Nealism. This is a Trevor Emdenism, Flemingism.
0: Right. Um,
1: So, uh, so, so I've tried to imagine uh, the invention of the wheel. Okay. So I imagine that um, Mm -hmm. Mrs. It would have been a woman. There's no men would be too distracted. There would have been a woman. So, 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 you know, the dawn of. It's dawn, right? And, and, you know, everybody's living in caves. Mrs. Ugg uh, gets up, has a yawn and a stretch, goes out to watch the sunrise. There's been a bit of a storm overnight. And uh, just as her husband sort of comes out scratching his beard and stuff to join her, they notice a log rolling down a hill. You know, the wind has blown this log and it's rolling down a hill. Mm-hmm. And Mrs. Ugg says to Mr. Ugg, hey, I've got an idea. If we put a few of those together, that would be a hell of a lot easier pulling the ox back from the supermarket. Right? So,
0: mm-hmm.
1: and my point is, I think that we, as human beings, we cannot not think of ideas. They're going to come to us.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: They may not always be good ideas. I mean, that one that one happens to be a fairly good idea. But we cannot... So, you know when people say, well, how, you know, we're supposed to be, or 21st century, we're supposed to be civilized people. How have we got into this mess? Whatever mess they're talking mm-hmm. about at the time. It's like, well, we got into it because people just kept following ideas that they thought were good ideas at the time. All right? Like, think about the invention mm-hmm. of money, right? I mean, the, 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 the good. And no no other creature does that. You know, no other creature needs money. But we just decided be helpful to exchange things. I want some of your chicken's eggs, can I have some of your cow's milk? Yes, but what are we going to do when we go visiting Aunt Mabel? We can't take the cow and the chicken with us. So we mm-hmm. right? so are the means of exchange. So we can't not think, of, ideas are going to occur to us. And that's the principle of thought at work. It's like, they're going to pop into our head. And because of the principle of consciousness, we're going to be aware of them. And then we can, we who are not the thought, but the observer of the thought can decide whether or not to follow it or not follow it and what i think that we we need to learn or relearn is perhaps a better way because i think we probably had this when we were kids is to know Mm -hmm. the difference between the thoughts that feel good because you know when it's a wisdom thought you know you know it it's like oh yeah yeah i want to try that out yeah i want to go to that party or buy that music or what it feels good it
0: mm-hmm.
1: versus the ones that like oh i've got to do that again or why am i stuck here or because that's inside the box thinking if we let go of that mm-hmm. the the wise stuff has room to come through it's always going to be there and it always has been there mm-hmm. otherwise we would still be living in caves because if you think about the theory of evolution as from as in charles darwin Right. Mm -hmm. Now, my understanding of Darwin's theory is extremely rudimentary, but I can see that, you know, over time, species evolved to, you know, apparently bees didn't. They turned up all at once, apparently. But anyway, Darwin's (laughs) not here to be challenged about that. But Mm -hmm. we would still be living in caves because why wouldn't we? It was working. We Had food to eat and mm-hmm. shelter, and we knew how to make fire, presumably, and skin animals. So we had clothes to wear, so it we went cold in the winter. So, why do we come out of caves? Because we can't not think of ideas, we can't not have ideas, mm. and then we act on them. And we're the only species that does that, as far as I know. Now, there may be some anthropo- anthropologists out there who'll challenge me on that, but I can't see evidence of it in any other species certainly not at the speed mm-hmm. of it. That, right.
0: <laughs> that is very woo-woo so i'm going to share a story uh i think it's a wayne dyer story and i know you've heard it had to have if it's a wayne dyer story because he's he was, sorry, the king of repeating his same stories at every talk it was. Um, yeah. that were good that were good stories. I've heard several of them many, many dozens of times throughout the years. Um, and then I want to attach it to marketing. I'll try to. So tell this story and then relate it relate it to marketing as you see it being relevant, and then I'll do the same in a better way after you <laughs> um
1: <laughs> you know you know this for a fact
0: i am pretty sure i'll do it better okay um so just to tie in i guess kind of what we've been talking about is to sum it up short bastardize it is that your inner game of marketing your thoughts are probably the most important part of your success is that fair enough to say that you agree with
1: Yes.
0: Um, okay, so we're in agreement so far. So, but only 100%. And, <laughs> finally. Um, so the, the fact that I want to dispute for a little bit or use this story to kind of go against the people who are saying, who may be saying, well, uh, he used a lot of these examples to the, well, I'm Italian, so that's just the way I am. Or, uh-huh. The, the reason I act like this is you, you don't know my childhood. You don't know what I've been through. There's a reason I'm, I am the way that I am because whatever excuse you give it, I, I'm Italian, I'm a Taurus, I'm, I'm a, was an only child or I'm the youngest of 12 children or whatever identity we use to explain a way your responses to things or reactions or even like you said we're going to tie it into marketing excuses as well but to try to 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 illustrate the point that all things are just your thoughts and those can be changed in an instant um that it's really under your control every experience you have be it whether it's a good or bad experience it's just your interpretation that makes it good or bad. Like you said about the movie. The movie is just the movie. One person says it's great. The other person says it's bad. Who's right? You know, or food. Certain people love, normal human beings love seafood and fish. And then there's Nazis and other demons who can't, who thinks fish tastes too fishy. I'm not going to say any names. It's
1: disgusting. disgusting. Um. <laughs> My wife eats it all the time, and I... I just tell her she's made a mistake. I don't know why anybody would want to eat things that come out of the sea. It's it's just, let it let it live in the sea, it's fine.
0: <laughs> well, okay, so that's, um, to to make the point of one of Wayne Dyer's stories that I think is his, that I like, is the the, the man on the bus, right? Uh, again, I know you've heard this on some, I do a short version of it, but there's a man on the bus, Who's just sitting there, staring kind of off in a fog, and he's got three children that are just rowdy, disturbing other patrons on the bus. They're jumping up and down. They're screaming. They're bumping into people. People are getting upset, and there's,
1: it, it was, you know, people on the. Alan Cohen, and he was on um, New York subway, and it's a true story.
0: Oh wow! Okay,
1: yeah,
0: yeah. Well, I don't yeah. remember all the all the details. Um, no, that's pretty cool. So you do remember it. I know I you do remember I know yeah, you no, it. No, no, no. Yeah.
1: Yeah. It was Alan Cohen. He's a, he's an author. He's written some lovely books. Um, All right. I'm pretty sure it was, I, I, um, yeah, he told the story. It wasn't a Wayne Dyer story. It wasn't, it wasn't him that happened to, he, he saw it. I think. Ah, uh, okay. I think. And, okay. Uh, so yeah. do you want to finish it?
0: Okay. So a short, yeah. So a short version again, I'm just doing a short version since we can wrap up here was There's a woman in the back, I guess. And her thoughts are, look at this guy, you know, doesn't he know his kids are disturbing other people? And she's angry, full on, you know, upset, like, what a horrible parent. The thoughts are, this guy should be doing something. His kids are running amok. He doesn't even discipline them. He's not doing anything, just full on rage at what's going on with these children, and not him not doing anything about it. And yeah, so she's, she's upset. That's a real experience. That's that's She's seeing something which she's considered not happening in the way that she should, and her response to it is anger and rage, and someone should do something about it, right? So I think, as the story goes, as I remember to make the point, it could be off. But, you know, she finally goes up to him. She's had enough and goes, you know, I'm going to give this guy peace of my mind and goes over to him and it's like, you know... Do you, you don't see that your kids are disturbing people and why aren't you doing something and lay, you know, lays into them. And the guy just still almost in a fog, not even knowing kind of blinks a few times makes eye contact. And it's like, Oh, you know, I'm so sorry. I haven't even been paying attention. I guess my kids are a little bit out of it or often not handling it well. Cause we, we've just come from burying their mother or something like that. Yeah. Uh, mother just died. And then immediately in an instant, the lady goes from anger to, you know, sorrow or what's it called? Empathy and, you know, feeling sorry for the kids and I'm wanting you know, to help. Them. Yeah. Stupid as well, but you're thinking, oh, how can I help? Is there anything I can do? Maybe I could help you out. So, you know, just from an instant went from full anger to i I want to be helpful. This person, she's ready to give a piece of her mind and probably smack upside the head. You know, is she's now wanting to help him and contribute to be a further different. And the only thing that changed was her thoughts about the situation. the situation, exactly. still a situation. Yeah, the situation, still situation, the situation, the kids are still disruptive. The kids are still doing the same things they were doing before that didn't change. That was just an event her response to it was all happening in her head of her thoughts about what was happening and what should be happening and her judgments of making it a bad experience. But if you can see the people who want to say, I'm Italian, this is just the way I am. He he uses this to kind of illustrate any emotion, act, behavior, uh, response to an event can be changed in a moment just by changing how you think about it. I mean, that, that is such a clear, a clear picture of nothing else changed other than she thought differently about it. And in the instant, she went from full rage to a completely different emotion only because you changed the way your thoughts are. So it's like, you can do that with anything, anything. You don't have to attach to the labels of, no, I'm supposed to respond like this because those kids are bad and that I'm, I should be angry. Any normal person would be angry at that. Well, no, you don't have to be you can tell yourself any thought about what's happening without them having to tell you. You can be the proactive one and go, I don't know what's going on with that person, but he seems like he might need help with his kids. I wonder if there's a way I could contribute to make it easier for him without having to hear about the mother passing. You don't need that reason to change the way you think about something. Um, you can choose a better thought in any moment um, and make that better. So. Um, so yeah, I, I love that story because it's so visual and everything, and that one kind of stuck with me. But so I want to, for you, if you can, and I'm putting you on the spot here because like I said this is—you never know what we're going to say on here. If you can give an example or find a way to relate it or whatever to use that lesson in marketing, so, so remiss if we skip marketing at some point in this. <laughs> so can you relate that lesson to how it applies? to the inner game of marketing and how what your thoughts are really are. I was, we just, as you agreed to me a hundred percent, that your thoughts are probably the most important part of your success in business well, in marketing in whatever thoughts, your is.
1: Okay. Your thoughts are the most important part of your success in everything because your thoughts are what is creating your experience. So uh, I, I'm almost, um, yeah, you know, thanks for putting me on the spot, you know, so now you've got plenty of time to think of your example, which is why you know it yeah, exactly. would be better than mine. I know, I, I can see the game. It. Um, it's a
0: good strategy. It's
1: a, yes, yeah. Uh, but I just wanted to acknowledge that I've, I've, I've you know, called you out on it. Um,
0: <laughs> Indeed, I'm not denying it. I'm not denying it.
1: <laughs> no. But it would apply to anything. So, um, I mean... Uh, you know, I hark back to um, to my my now famous product "Words from Thin Air," which was about how to overcome writer's block. Um, mm-hmm. But um, uh, at the at the time, this was, I wrote that long before I'd heard of the three principles. But it was the same idea that it's impossible to if you if you're looking for you know what content can I write about. In fact, you mentioned this to, to me the other day. It's like I'm stuck for content on certain topics and stuff and i know there's research and keywords and seo and that kind of stuff to be done but i remember that my mm-hmm. favorite homework at school ever or, and always and every time was when our english teacher would write up on the board just some titles and then go and then say, write your homework is write an essay on one of those and you know you'd have like three words and i'd go wow mm-hmm the other kids are going so you know we wow because i don't know what's going to come out but something will come out so i write this three words at the top of a blank sheet of paper and start writing and a story me, <laughs> right? because so i don't I know where
0: going to take that me exercise. Yes. Uh, i've done that one many many times i absolutely love that exercise it's Exactly. so fascinating exactly the comes, same comes out.
1: when i do keyword research right so the keyword research mm. is like okay so let's use those as a title for a blog post it's exactly the same principle um, it's like I don't know where that's gonna go I just don't understand people who are like oh why do I have to write you know can't, and and, and um, what is it about hating writing because I I understand if you're if you if you had <laughs> PTSD about um, you know you've been told off about your grammar or your spelling or the but you know, in this day and age, like those things don't matter anymore because the computer will sort that out for you anyway. And if you really can't write or spell, just talk it, speak it into, into mm-hmm. get it transcribed. Um, there's even software right. that now. So there really isn't an excuse for not for not coming up with not no, not coming up with for not being able to extrapolate <laughs> an idea.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: And I suppose, I suppose. Um, huh, I suppose uh the probably the thing i related to the most and, and this still gets me every time and i'm trying to think of an example but it's like okay well you've been teaching me recently um uh, some uh some some ways of, of uh of sales scripts sales script ideas right mm-hmm. which you know to to just put the put the context in you're not you're absolutely not teaching learn a script like it's not a verbatim thing. That would be uh, there's a I hate those anyway. Um, right? There's a there's a there's a way of framing things and a sequence to things and it, it kind of uh, it all links with how human beings think and the psychology of it all, which is fine. Right? So mm-hmm. so and when and and actually, uh, I printed it off. I got it on my desk here somewhere. I moved it to, to make room for my. Oh, pen. and oh, here it is. No, it's not, I don't know. I can't. I've got it somewhere on the desk. But it's it prints off <laughs> as about eleven or twelve pages, I think. So it would be impossible uh-huh. to learn anyway, unless. Well, I don't want, and it's not. Say this, then say that, then say that. Anyway, is it? You know that it's kind of lots and lots of bullet right. segments and stuff. So, mm-hmm. so in my head, it's like in my conscious thinking awake brains oh my god i'm never going to remember all this i can't remember all that and then then when you actually come to do it for real with a with an actual person it's like well of course the conversation doesn't go like that but i've got enough ideas that i know what you know it's like i'm not not saying to the person on the other end of the call hang on a minute i think i think the next question is on page five hang on a sec you can't do it like that Right? So you, get, you somehow your brain just knows that there's a new set of ideas and assimilates that and then just goes okay let's play around with this then. So mm-hmm. it's, it's that and so when you get a topic or a title or a keyword and go let's, let's write that or I, I like making videos as well on that, it's okay well in the beginning there's a kind of well I don't know anything about that feeling. And then there's, well, I don't know if I don't know anything about it. Let's see what happens if I start speaking or I start writing. And then, and then mm-hmm. I've written a sentence or I've said a sentence. And then, Oh, and then there's another one, another one, another one. I've done it with PLR, private label rights. I do have quite a lot of PLR on my hard drive. I, mm-hmm. I almost never, I, well, I don't think I ever, I occasionally have sold bits of it, I suppose, but I, I never really use it as it is. I just use it as jumping off points. Because I quite like right. the, that the good PLR writers, um, the good ones know how to pick a topic, and they know what's right. going right. And I like I sometimes will pick up the ones that are more evergreen rather than the ones that are just trending. And so, mm-hmm. and then, and then I'll think, okay, well, I'll, um, I'll, I'll pick some of those. Just sometimes, just a, a heading. Uh, and then I make a video, or even I've, I wrote a whole book based on one once, um, mm-hmm. and um, and it was it was n- there wasn't a single word of the original PLR in there, but it gave me the skeleton, it gave me the outline. It's like oh yeah, and then I didn't know what to say that one. Oh, but I actually don't agree with the thing that the writer said here, so I'll put down what I think,
0: mm-hmm.
1: and um, a- and so it goes. And it's like when you when those juices are flowing, there's no better feeling. Um, and so I think that marketing and this guy, hopefully that we're going to have on next week, I, I imagine he thinks a bit like that. I mean, I, 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 don't, I suspect that he's probably not thought about how he thinks. He just knows it's right. Mm. And that's how he does his right. marketing. That's how he gets thousands of people signed up. So I think that it's not, mm. I think it's allow yourself to be creative instead of thinking that you don't know stuff because no, you don't know till you, mm-hmm. till you check. So how did
0: I do? You're going to do better now. Yes, I have a way better example. Oh, I show you mean. Um Yeah, I've, I've had plenty of time to think You've about. Ten so, minutes. Yeah, you know. I've come up with two really amazing, much better <laughs> examples of yours. It's going to blow you out of the water, of of more of of practical examples of. Thoughts being all that's necessary for success in business. Um, a shifting of the thoughts can occur and change your entire business, not, not learning any new skills, not trying to figure out how to do X, Y, Z, not thinking you need to learn one more thing, but a simple shifting of thoughts can take you from, you know, mediocre two, three figures to four or five figures a month just with a simple shifting of thoughts. And I have the proof of it. And Trevor, your story is that proof. My better story is your story because uh,
1: I need to talk to my agent. You're too
0: humble. <laughs> well, you're too humble enough and you never actually take the time to brag and and about your accomplishments and plug how good you've done. So I I get to do it all the time. So okay. So speaking of the theme of what we've been talking about, one simple shift in your thought can create um, a massive change in your business Direct speaking directly about making more money, you have two very recent stories that you've worked with people who work mm-hmm. personally, because you can do this on your own, but sometimes you need a little help to help discover what that shift, that thought that's, that's keeping you in the same place is to begin with. So you have two. You're going to share I think you should pick the best one that you like and then be a good place to wrap up, um, which is the, the wedding, your wedding lady and your voice lady. Two great stories. The biggest help well, the you change man. your life. Voice man, sorry. Yeah. But really, in my, in my understanding of the story of how you've helped them and they are glowing about, you know, Trevor, about how he changed their lives and changed their business. And he didn't do anything physically other than change their thoughts. Just he, you their you thought. know, everybody thinks. Yeah.
1: Uh, well, I'll talk about the voice he, man, then because he's the most recent one um and in fact i've yet to speak to him to get the all the all the details i haven't i've only had an email from him but basically uh so this guy uh he's a voice coach but um just to be clear he doesn't coach singers he coaches people to speak better um Mm -hmm. uh and he when i started working with him a couple of months ago he the problem that he was having was not he. He's getting clients, but he what he's trying to or what he was pitching to them uh, was I can help you speak better, basically. And so I started coaching him about well, you know, what problem is that solving? And and he started saying things like, well, when you walk into the room, heads will turn. And I said, what is this dating? <laughs> See? <laughs> my, my clients have to put up with this terrible ironic sense of humor um, and um, but, uh, he, he survived that well. Uh, anyway well, uh, it, it transpired that um, he's got a, one of his clients is a businessman, a business owner I think. Um, I don't know all the details about that and the business owner was going out on, on my client's behalf asking other business owners. If he could get my client to come and do part of a workshop that his own client was running for their sales teams, does that make sense? Is that clear? So there's my client and his client. Yep. And, um, right. and so his client was coming back to him and going, "Hey, can you come and run, you know, part of this workshop that I, you know, I've been doing for sales teams?" And he, he was charging the the company that he was getting. 10 times, actually about 11 times the amount that my client was charging his own clients for exactly the same workshop. So he didn't even notice that. He couldn't see it. He was like, I said, Did you, Do you realize that he's giving, you know, he's obviously paying him quite a lot of it, but I said, Did you realize that when he, whatever he's doing, he goes out and pitches you. And you go and deliver exa- whatever it is you do, exactly the same exercises and vocal things, you know, teaches people to breathe and whatever he does, exactly the same as you do for the people that you charge one tenth of the price for. And he went, Oh, yeah. And I said, So what is he saying to these people? I said, I don't know. And I said, Well, don't you think you should ask him? Um, and he's like, Okay. <laughs> so he emailed me uh, 10 days or so ago now. And he just went. I just signed somebody up for eleven times the amount. Uh, so he's actually finally signed up one of his own clients for the same money as this other guy. Because it's the pitch. It's just changing. It's exactly they get exactly the same. Well, I mean, he hasn't told me what he's delivering, but I'm sure it will be. You know, that's what he knows. He can do it in his sleep. Um, he mm-hmm. knows how to do it. But by changing the way he viewed it, he's eleven xed his income for the same work
0: right right so the, the the belief there that i picked up was one that i hear pretty often like well who am i to charge that much you know i think i'm too expensive yeah yeah and he's charging like like tiddly nuts like he's charging pennies when he's charging it yet someone else Who's not even the one delivering it (laughs) is charging eleven times as much for what he's going to do. Yeah. Um, So he didn't believe it was worth that much because he's like, who am I to charge that much? But couldn't understand how someone else could be charging that much for him.
1: Couldn't understand because he didn't didn't value it. He didn't notice.
0: Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> <laughs> that's,
1: that's when you go and deliver these workshops because originally he asked me something well you know now he's asking me it was originally an hour now it's it was an hour and a half now it's two hours do you think i should keep doing it and i'm like are you insane this guy's paying you like, like four figures when you come. Like for the same work that you do for your private clients, what's the difference? And you now because of COVID, he's sitting. I have to do it on Zoom anyway. Doesn't even have to go anywhere. So it's like, what is the point? Right. But why is? But he, he the fact that he hadn't even seen it. Oh well, yeah, <laughs> it was. Yeah. It was just that that big shift in in perspective. um Yeah, mm-hmm. and it's cha- yeah about changing. That's. I don't know what he's done yet, but I want to find out. I'll find out. But uh, it's about changing the, the offer because you know when you walk into the room, you'll turn people's heads. Is clearly not something that people would pay thousands of pounds or dollars for. <laughs> uh,
0: well, right. unless unless it really mean anything.
1: It doesn't mean anything. Well, it might do if you were you know if you were you know a, uh, a pimply guy looking to turn the heads of hot women maybe but otherwise no it's not no. right yes so, yeah, so um, thank you for that so i guess yeah we should, so we should so wrap this up should we
0: we should as long as you agree that my story was better than yours
1: oh much it was about me of course it was better
0: <laughs> <laughs> right. so All right, good. See, we're getting better at agreeing on some of the stuff.
1: Yeah, I'm learning. Uh, It doesn't pay to disagree.
0: um, (laughs) Especially not when you're always wrong when you disagree (laughs) with me. (laughs) Um, (laughs) So going off of the goodness of the story from last week, which if you missed, you should definitely listen to last week's episode, because again, yet again, I bragged about Trevor (laughs) And this amazing transformational post he made that had people going crazy on LinkedIn. If you follow him, Trevor Emden, on LinkedIn, he will gladly accept you and you could find said post. Otherwise, you listened to last week's episode where we read the entire thing that you're going to have to either listen to it or go follow Trevor on LinkedIn if you want to see this post that was changing people's lives, which led to... Um, the discovery of one of your many talents is lighting fire in someone's belly. So if you want to understand the reference of fire belly, there's a similar, not really to what we're just talking about here, but if you think you're in need of a shift, you think you're due that there may be some yucky thinking that's going on in your head that may possibly be keeping you from the next level, or maybe you're, maybe you're not, maybe you don't think there's any thinking that's causing it and you just want to brainstorm and see if you can come up with some sort of these, like the voice guy with just a simple shift in changing your offer or the thoughts about your offer, thoughts about your worth, thoughts about your pricing, thoughts about just how to present it. Well, really, if you're looking for one of those kind of dynamic shifts that could add an extra zero to your income, then you may want to hop on a call and discuss that with myself or Trevor at coachcomeback.com slash firebelly so he could light the fire in your belly like he's already done for so many. And I will gladly um, definitely recommend you sign up. Coachcomeback.com slash firebelly for just our listeners here. That is a podcast listener-only link where you can sign up and get a free call, which normally either of us does charge a nominal fee for each call because we both are coaches and consultants in our own business, and it's what we do. But for listeners who've suffered through hours and hours of this nonsense, um, (laughs) you are going to get a session for free as our way of saying thank you for you like subscribing and sharing this here podcast. You'll be able to go to coachcomeback.com slash firebelly. You'll see a link with a calendar to be able to schedule a call with Either one of us, but you're going to want to go with Trevor. He's definitely more versed on this particular topic and the shifts you see, of the mind. He's the expert that I go to when I need some icky, cloudy thinking, or as Trevor has learned or says, too much dust swirling around in my head and I need it settled, I go to Trevor. I do. I'm not even bragging or anything just to try to sell it. This is the reason we started this podcast, because I come to you when I you need do. my head shrunk. <laughs>
1: <laughs> you do. And, uh, and, and there's another thing. That's two in one one uh, whole podcast that I, I 100% agree with you about.
0: <laughs> We're on fire. I know. Fire belly. Fire belly. Lit the fire.
1: <laughs> Thank you so much.
0: That's right. This was, a, this was a good good call. Good talk.
1: They always are. They by, always are.
0: By, by my own opinion, I guess. <laughs> the only one that matters indeed indeed right so
1: uh so we will uh, we will better say goodbye and of course we're going to uh, see you next tuesday
0: see you next tuesday peoples have a great night enjoyed see you next tuesday